it's Wednesday night, and that means it's time for... Football Bloody Hell. Well, we're all here for our usual rant about all the football that's been going on in the last week. And on the show tonight, we've got Mr. Paul Thorpe. Ricky Hyatt Dave Hilda Pryor and me, A.D. Hopkins So, sit down and relax have a drink and let's attack the week's football banter. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And this evening we have a special edition bumper bank holiday special for you, I guess. There's no other word for it. The word is special because that's how I sum up my guests, starting with Mr. A.D. Hopper. How are you doing, Aid? Um, pretty down today, to be honest. But uh, other well, than that, yeah, you know, I'm okay. Uh, Thorfey's here, are you doing Thorpe? Yeah, is that, I'm very well, thank you. Is that special needs? <laughs> That's not for me to say. That's not for me to say. Um, not for any reason that I'm going to you next, just because Thorpey said that, but Ricky Hyatt's here. How are you doing, Ricky? <laughs> I'm feeling extraordinary special. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and last but not least, and not at all special, well, not at all special, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Depends on what con context you want. Steve yeah. Rutter's here. How are you just, doing, Steve? I'm, I'm fine. Just cut your losses while you're winning. <laughs> well, funny you should say that, because we are a Yeovil Town podcast, so we are going to have to start, as we always do, with um, all things going on at Yeovil Town. And because it is a bank holiday um, special, there's two games that we kind of need to... Uh, get our teeth into because on uh, Good Friday it was a one-all draw against Aldershot. By all accounts, it seemed like a more positive performance, um, considering that they were beaten, well beaten, um, the Tuesday before in that crunch game against Gateshead, four-nil. But unfortunately, they did go uh, down today. As we record this earlier today on Monday, a one-nil defeat to Dorking Wanderers and you will have seen that Pryor did get the winner and despite me not being in the commentary box uh, this afternoon as we record this it was not me that uh, potentially got the goal that sent Yeovil down should anybody wish to uh, send me a message in that regard but Thorpey you were there at the game today um, yeah. firstly what did you make of the performance on the day and was there 
anything that you saw from the game which made you think the players are very much up for this or is there more and more of a resigned acceptance of where they are and where they're likely to be now? Endeavour from certain players, and I think we know who those players are, uh, outstanding, that, that there is a half of the team that really either are not good enough or, if I'm really honest, or they just lack knowledge and playing ability at that level, if I'm honest with you. Endeavour, plenty of that. Knowledge of how to win a football game uh, and do the simple things. Uh, yeah, less so. I mean, you know, as we go, I could go through the side if you want. Um, you know, the keeper, excellent. Um, these, these players can also make mistakes, you know what I mean? You know, the captain, excellent. Cooper, I thought was excellent. Worthington, you know, really good. Um, and then there's, there's sort of like, it sort of like flanges out to to to, to let to, to lesser, you know. I would expect a little bit more from Ricard. Um, through the middle, you know, up front, not holding the ball up enough, not good enough. Wide men, not good enough. Um, and it's just a, a lack of of out and outs. What's called simple ability to um, to to win football games at this level, and it's a real shame because you have got a very famous football club. Um, that's going to be languishing in in the in the conference south when you know not so long ago it was in the championship, and um, it's it's going to be a long road. I think it needs a complete rebuilding. Um, talking to Martin Starnes after the game, you know the club needs a complete rebuild. And I was being very honest with him, you know, and um, you know I'm not going to talk about what his comments were because that's not fair on him. But I made my feelings very clear to him what I felt needed and. Uh, what I think of um... just in relation to the game itself, Thorpe. What what did you make of the the performance in terms? Obviously, Yeovil went went down to ten men, didn't they? Was that was that yeah. a fair decision? Talk us through that. Well, his first his first is is um his yellow card. The first one I thought was bridging Ch on. Chory Johnson wasn't it? Chory Johnson was bridging on a red card because he he was out of control, stud showing, caught the lad um, halfway between his ankle and his knee, and I honestly feared that it was a, a red card where. They put a fair amount of pressure on Dawkins to start off with, and then it had to add, you know, his own, own insult that he, he's been not the most intelligent lad in the world as regards to his forty-five minute tackle, which again was high, and really gave the referee no alternative but to to, to send himself off. Where, you know, you, you, sometimes you've got a, Mark Cooper would be expecting his player to manage that situation so that he doesn't dive in. So, in other words, he's got to stay on his feet and not dive in recklessly and, and give the referee an easy decision. Um, Steve, Steve, I'll bring you in next. Um, obviously, we've been talking about the you know the doom and gloom for the last few weeks, um, you know, pretty much since you've been back, back on the podcast. But, um, hey, it's nothing you... to do with me being on the podcast. <laughs> you, can't, you can't blame me for this one. I got the blame no, when I was manager. Sure. Um, but, as we've said, looking at what like what you've, the bits and pieces that you've heard in the situation that, that you're in, it must just be very, very difficult to kind of try and motivate themselves to get any kind of performance going, particularly when, you know, the, the points and everything seems to be going against you and try and just get some sort of performance going. 
Yeah, I suppose you got to look at the players individually because whenever you go out, you should want to win the game. You know, even if it's a completely lost cause and you're relegated, and that's happened to teams before. They've still got three or four games to play. You know, sometimes once the pressure's off, they relax and they play a bit more freely. But you've got to look at the players and say, look, show some character. And I think Josh said that after the game at Gateshead. Um, you know, some players just aren't big enough characters to to carry the burden. Um, and ultimately, in this sort of situation, that's what you need. You know, Paul was just alluded there to to somebody making two rash challenges and getting himself sent off when the game's 0-0. It's the last thing you need. Uh, and it just compounds the problems and makes life even more difficult. Uh, what, they've won one in 16. They've scored one goal in five games. You know, the the momentum at the moment is only downwards, isn't it? And it's it just seems that they're not able to arrest the slide at this moment in time. Rick, you've seen um, some of the games this season as well, but not only are you not getting the results themselves, but every single week, I know you can't rely on other results, but they never help. They never help at all either, do they? No. Uh, It's marked the the downfall in performance, the tail off in performance in the last couple of months. There's no cohesion, no design, no game plan. It just looks a mess. And the manager's got players there that he clearly doesn't fancy. And the players that are there on loan, without wanting to single out any group of players, but do they really care? Because they're not going to be there next season. They're not going to have to deal with the mess they've helped create. And there's a limited number of players that you would hopefully rely on to get you out of that and there's a very limited number the rest of them i'd have to i don't know thought he was there today so and thinks that there was desire there but there's not been a lot of in the what i've seen just recently and it's it's disappointing it's embarrassing watching some of it they must be embarrassed of their own performances i think i think having desire is is one thing um uh, having quality decision making in the simplest of areas is, is a totally different thing. I think that you can only have so much desire. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I go out you have to have, you have, to have, I'd, a I'd have desire. Doesn't mean I'd be any good, does it? No, but you know, I think that Dawkins, um, listen, we knew what we were going to get from Dawkins. It's a very, very simplistic game, but their, 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 their players made decent decisions. They kept the ball. Well, the ball moved around a lot quicker. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So we brought on Olibori. You know, if the lad, listen, we know the lad can twist and turn, but the lad's got to get an end product, and he's got no end product. You know, he's got to he's got to get past the fullbacks, and ultimately your wingbacks or you call you know wingers, wingbacks, whatever you want to call them. You know, you've got to get crosses in, and and, and we're not putting enough crosses in. We're not getting good delivery into the front man. You know, he worked hard and, you know, but they, they, had, him in, they had him in the pocket really a little bit. You know, and uh, when you go down to 10 men, then you've got, I thought they played probably better with 10 men than they did 11, you know, and um, then they actually created um, a couple of half chances. We're not, we're not creating, I mean, Steve used to have a saying, and he's right, bang on. You know, if the team is making chances, I used, never used to worry too much. But when you stop making chances then you really do need to worry and we're just not making enough chances and, um, you know, and it's just, it's been disappointing. Um, lots of effort, but effort's not going to get you results. And um, 
ultimately there's been too much. When you actually look at the stats, defensively, we haven't done that bad. But when the pressure, so much pressure is put on the defensive side of the game, then I think you are going to falter, which unfortunately they've done. You know, lost a lot of games by one goal, late goals. But when I feel sorry for the defenders. Um, you know, it, people might be saying I'm blowing up someone's backside by by complimenting them all the time. But uh, I mean, Josh has been outstanding, absolutely outstanding this season. You know, and he's going to be like he said today. He says, "Can't believe I'm going to be a Conference South player." You know, he's distraught. Um, he's playing through a pain, you know, well documented about his knee. You know, and I, I just, I just really feel for him, Worthington, the keeper, Cooper, because he's come in, he's not done anything wrong. He's really worked hard, you know, not just for his for his father, but for the for the team. Well, I just want to come, about on, his father, come in on that, yeah. um, Thorpe, because yeah. um, you've just touched on it there, and Rick made the point as well. Ad, I'll come to you on this one that. Obviously, there is a bit of a divide, a well-documented divide at the moment, potentially between the players that are contracted and the loan players that have come in to try and help Yeovil get through to the end of the season. From your experience of being in and around the club, albeit a bit more of a successful period for Yeovil, did you ever see sort of a bit of a divide around the place between the the players on loan versus the ones that are contracted at the club? Did you ever see any differences at all or is it just the situation that we're in which maybe highlights that a little bit more than it would do in a normal situation? Well, first of all, I'm angry right now. Bloody angry. Because before we can... I'll, I'll get on to your question in a minute. No, the floor is yours. I'm full um, bloody hell. Go for it. I, before we started, and I was 10 minutes early ready for it, so I just went through the, the record. 2014, we were in the Championship. And we were flying high. We were going to places like Ewood Park, to St Andrews, to, you know, all the, the decent championship sides. And but for a bit of luck, we could have stayed in that league. Two, two games in particular spring out to me, the Bolton away game and the Leicester, I think it was away. Um, but, you know, from then on, it's just League One, League Two, National League, National League. In seven years, we've dropped from the championship to the National League. Now, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. I've got a lot of time for our ex-chairman, by that I mean John Fry and Norman Hayward. Um, John Fry looked after me when I worked for the club for 15 years and he was great. But he always had the club's heart, his heart was always in the club. He always, you know, looked after the club. But John, with the greatest respect, what the hell were you doing selling the club to this guy Priestnell? Because quite frankly, no money's been put in. And at the end of the day, it's largely down to money. Because if you get, if you, you know, what's the expression? If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And, and we, we've got, apart from a few, we've got an awful lot of monkeys out there. And, and I, I'm just angry because it's a great club. I worked there. I enjoyed it. It was a fantastic job to work for the club. And now to see them in their situation, and let's, let's be honest, they're not down yet. I know I'm talking about miracles here, but they aren't down yet. So let's not, 
be too damning, but I mean, having seen what we've seen, I don't think there's much chance of them staying up. Well, you're talking about um, former glories, Aid. It looks like that it's going to be a former Yeovil Town hero in Gary Johnson that might kind of put the final nail in because Torquay are yeah. on the best run of the season at the wrong time from a Yeovil perspective. Yeah, and not only that, if you look at this period we've been going through in the last sort of four or five weeks, you know, we've been desperately trying to get our result ourselves and failing miserably. But we've also been hoping that some of the other teams will do us a favour, yeah. not knowingly, but you know what I mean. Um, but they haven't. Every road, every result where we wanted the result to go in our favour, it's gone the other way, which has just deepened the doom and gloom that we're in now at the moment. So, you know, I, I, just, I just don't know... I don't know where we go from here. Well, I do know where we go from here. But, I mean, uh, what was your question originally? I've forgotten it now. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just in reference to when you get loans. Oh, the loans. Yeah, the loans. The loans. Um, yeah, no, in, in my day, I must admit, um, yeah, there was quite a few loans there. There was often a lot of criticism of the loans in that there were too many of them. But I can't honestly say that I was ever conscious of the loans and the rest of the players in the dressing room not getting on. Um Generally speaking, the loans came. We didn't have so many. Um, you know, if we had four or five, that was pushing it. But, no, I'm not conscious of that happening at all. Yeah, I only I only bring that question to the table purely because, you know, the situation the Oval find themselves in, you always hear one or two rumours, whether or not, you know, there's any kind of concrete evidence for that or not is is hard to say, that whether or not that there is a little bit divide from the players that have come in sort of, last minute that don't really care um steve i know it's a difficult question to answer but if you notice that whether it'll be not necessarily a club that you've been at or heard about that happening at other places or is it just par for the course when you find yourself in a facing relegation in the face well i think a lot of it depends on the individual that comes in to be honest um there are lone players that come in who are real soldiers and there are lone players that come in that just want to get away from their parent club and really don't care too much how much they contribute, you know, if they go somewhere else. Um, I know when I was at Yeovil and Brian Hall left, we had a very difficult moment, if you can remember, when they brought Clive Whitehead in. And there was a there was a clear divide for a period of time when Clive came in and bought six or seven players in from Exeter City and elsewhere. And there was a there was a gulf between the, the previous trench of players that had been here under Brian Hall and the players that, that Clive brought in. But eventually that actually evolved into some really good relationships. You know, people like Brian McDermott are still in contact with now. Paul Batty was a great lad, Steve Harrower. Um, because they were actually at heart were were good, you know, good lads and good players. What caused the problem was the political bit at the top, really. Um, and that may be something to do with the, the situation you're alluding to, that if the manager hasn't brought the players in, they've been brought in from somewhere else and hoisted onto the manager. And it's hard to disguise your body language and that when, you know, he's trying to be inclusive with them possibly, but he really doesn't want them there and doesn't think they're adding anything. They then probably feel that they're not really wanted. And so it just sort of escalates. And then if you're winning games, it, it brushes over everything. And if you're losing games, it just magnifies everything. So, yeah, it, listen, if they're good, like, I, I didn't see the game, um, you know, but they could be a lone player who could be working their socks off for you if they've got the right sort of character. Or they could just be waiting for the season to finish to get on their holiday in Magaluf. So AD is right that until, obviously, relegation is confirmed, which we're expecting it to be, I guess we can't really say for sure exactly how things are going to look like. But I think everybody is pretty much 
resigned to the fact now probably even people inside the club if they're not actually coming out um and saying it um to the media but rick i just want to touch on the fact that this reset that people do talk about and sort of hope for because the danger is now i know we've talked about it before but going down to the national league south suddenly there's probably at least um three quarters of the team that won't even be there next season will there because there'll be contractual situations that need sorting out and like thorpe says as much as we'd like to keep the likes of josh staunton who might at the moment have every intention to try and stay and turn us round. But if a League Two club comes in and says, yeah, we'll take you, I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? So we're in danger of possibly not being able to reset and replenish the squad as much as we'd like to, even if we do get the new ownership over the line. We might have some money to spend, but you're going to ask players to have to come down for at least for a season to try and push the oval back on again. Yeah, I'd be surprised if, with the names we've mentioned already, the our best four players, Grant Smith, Josh Staunton, Charlie Cooper, Matt Worthington, I'd be amazed if any of them are at Yeovil next season. And I wouldn't blame them. And the other situation with that is that um, going into uh, the division we're going to go into, Yeovil are going to be the biggest club in it, the biggest name in it. There'll be a target on the back every week. It's not yeah. going to be a scope. It's going to be hard. There's a losing mentality at the place. And you will be a scope for everybody that you play. And we are playing against Taunton Town in the Cup this season. It's, it's no guarantee. This is the standard of the club you'd be playing every week. And there's no guarantee with the squad we've got at the moment that you'd get out of it, let alone one that's going to be depleted from what it is now. And is the recruitment, it's so far it hasn't looked. If, we are, if, this, if the ownership deal does go through eventually at some point, their recruitment so far hasn't looked, hasn't pulled up any trees, has it? There hasn't been a player that's come in under the, under their stewardship that you think, well, that's definitely someone that's improved the team, and we're going to need a lot of them. To be fair, so, though, Rick, at the time that they tried to do it, it was just nobody around, was it? Mm. Wrong time of the year. Well, not accor- not according to the manager who today is saying that who's this lad who's been scoring the goals for Torquay? Yeah, mm. he's the one that should be at the Oval. Yeah, what well, new player was? Yeah, a deal was agreed. Yeah, it, a deal agreed, was agreed. According to the manager, and, and it yeah. was the oh, it's it's it. You know, it's um, certain people scuppered that deal. I would, Paul. I wouldn't it, get carried away though, because if you look at Frank Newblay's goal scoring record down the years, he's had yeah. about twenty-one clubs for the very reason that he doesn't score goals. You know, we had we had Alan Jarvis at Luton. He was a young player at Luton, and I thought Alan's quite a, a decent lad. But he's a he's a real workhorse, a big centre forward, six foot three, athletic, mobile. But again. Goal scoring record is not prolific, you know. Frankly, with, with that um, with that position, though, Steve, it's, it's like the manager said he wanted a centre forward, and he got two left wingers. Yeah, no, that's the point. I mean, but actually, what do you want a centre forward for? If you want a centre forward who's going to score your goals, yeah. then, then you have to you have to pay money for him. You're not getting him on a free transfer no. in the window. No, no, absolutely. He's been re- being released from another club that's likely to get relegated. He's there because right. he doesn't score goals. You know, I've known him since he was 18. He was in the national youth team when he was at, and he was at, went down to Colchester United eventually and started getting his games. But he historically he doesn't score your goals, you know. And, and Yeovil's problem, like you say, the lowest goal scorers in the league they haven't scored. They've scored one goal in five games, and they've played Gateshead, Oldershot, and Dorkin, who are all in danger yeah. of relegation. I mean, yeah. other than other than Maidstone, Dorkin have got the worst defensive record in the league. I think they've conceded 86 goals 
How many shots on target did you have today, Paul? Well, I didn't see the game. But well, they just you know, just throw bodies in the box, get the ball in the box, put them under pressure. Yeah. They'll give you a goal by the looks of things. They've conceded yeah, 86. Yeah. Just put we, them under pressure, let them make mistakes. And they looked, and they, looked com- they looked comfortable at the back at the end. Well, there you, you know, go. The ones, 86 you know. goals and they looked comfortable, got a cigar on. Yeah. Well, this is what makes it more of a depressing reading from a Yeovil fan because, like you say, Gates head up in 16th, comfortably on 49 points. Maidenhead, 18, 49 points. Dorking, 49 points. You know, Let's not forget how good a uh, thing it is for them, their expectations, yeah, yeah. that they've stayed up. But it makes it even worse for Yeovil but that you know they've the stayed up comfortably. Yeovil need two of the teams above them to slip up. The next yeah. game is Torquay versus York. So either they're both going to get a point or one of them is going to get three points. Simple as that. Yeovil mm. are down. Yeovil are down. Yeovil are yeah. down. But we said it before Gateshead game. They've also, one of the games they've got left, do you see them getting, I don't see, I don't see how they're going to get a point in the last four games. And one of those comes at just the worst time to be playing Wrexham when they're on a, a chance. Well, that, 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 that they could, could be celebrating that the title be, that day if they yeah, beat Yeovil. They, they could, they win, could the win the title against yeah, Yeovil. That could be a cricket cr- 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 score. York have got yeah. Torquay away, older shot at home, so therefore either older shot or York are going to get points out of that. Mm. And their last game's away at Notts County, you'd expect them to get beat. Torquay have got York at home, Chesterfield away, Altrincham away, neither, well, Chesterfield in the playoffs, Altrincham not really a lot to play for, and then Torquay's last game is at home to Wrexham. But by then I expect it will be all done and dusted anyway. That last game will be an irrelevance. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I say I think pretty much everyone has resigned to the fact now, I mean, there's clutching at straws, and then there's, you know, there's properly real, clutching, isn't it's, there? <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's miracles. We're, we're being realistic. We're being honest, and I think that's that's the big thing. You know, we, there's no point in beating around the bush. You know, your old town have been poor. They've played forty, I think, forty-six or forty-eight players this year. There's no continuity there. So next season, yeah. Thorpe, we've spoken about how crucial recruitment's going to be and the potential that, you know, Yeovil might find themselves in a very sticky position next year because there'll be a big team. But then where, where are you? Where do you think they should do their shopping? Are, are we going to have to look at players that are in and around the division that they're in and try and get them from the clubs that you expect to do well? Or are you looking at National League players who have just sort of on the periphery and come down? Like, which way... Do you think that Yeovil should be looking to go in that division? Uh, well, force and I think Steve's the right person to answer this question. I I tried to get players who was who were doing well at our level, which is difficult because then you've got to throw money at them or try and get somebody. Who's Sorry, Paul. When you wants... say our level, do you mean League South that Yeovil will find themselves in, or the National League now? I think you just need to find find a recruitment people in your recruitment team that are bringing in decent quality players. Now, whether that's, that's all down to, the, down to the working with the manager to know what type of player he wants and listening to that manager. And I, you know, I, I got these, oh, go, and, go and have a look at this player, go and have a look at that player. Go and have a receiver tell you how many, how many hours you spend out of the road looking at players. You know, and uh, I was just doing that really for, for Froome. Yeovil Town need, uh, have got a great area to work from. They also need to work extremely hard with it, the teams that are in the league to try and work on their loan players as well. But as Steve will tell you, it's about the attitude of that player. The well, they've got to sell the Yeovil Town project again, haven't they? Because people might be well, looking at Yeovil Town and think, well, yeah, they're a, they're, 
they're a big team, but are they a big team that are completely on their way down? Or are they a big team that, yeah, I can sacrifice going to there for a year, get a promotion, well, and then hopefully try and kick on again? They have to really sell this dream now, well, whoever's I, in charge. Yeah, I, I, I was sold it as the fact that, you know, it looks like we're down. So I want the character of person to bring us straight back up. You know, in all, in all fairness, you know, we, we, we narrowly missed on two occasions, got it on the third occasion. So we, we had the desire and the character of player... I think Steve will admit that we could play football when we needed to play. And I think we could shut up shop when we needed to shut up. And if we needed to get a little bit aggressive, we had the likes of Gary Donnell and Jimmy Quinn. So <laughs> who, would, who wouldn't mess about? You know, and, and, and to be fair, there was the likes of Steve, Shaley, myself, you know, um, who could battle as best with, with, with any of them. Man Mark those those strikers out of the game so that the players in our team who could play could win us the game or certainly get a result. Tell me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I think that it, Brian Hall was so ahead of his game at the time and I know people said, oh, he didn't play the most attractive football. You don't need to play the most attractive football. You need to bloody get results and you need to be ruthless about getting results and, 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 and we were and he was he gave us so much information, Steve, didn't he? Yeah. That, that we knew exactly what their set plays were. We knew exactly that the left foot, left back was left footed. They knew when he jinked inside. It, it, once at Slough, I think you remember, he did this this little jiggle that the, yeah. the winger did. Oh, and yeah. half, the half time, he was throwing cups at the wall and because he'd warned us this player would do it and we weren't dealing with it. And that so was, that there was... was that was a game I watched, Paul, when the, I actually signed my contract that night in the tunnel. And oh, I well, wandered out. It was a cup game, a league cup game, and you wandered out cup past game. me at half-time. Yeah. yeah. And eventually, we actually did it second half. We did well second half. Got ourselves into a 4-1 situation, I think, if I'm right. Yeah. And then even in the last five minutes, we let in two goals that end up 4-3, didn't it? Or something like that, was it? Yeah. yeah. I know. So, the, the recruitment is about... And, and look, Steve's better at answering this it, because he's done it at a higher level. It's about finding the right characters and the players who will also fit in the situations that you want to enhance a better performance from your team. To get up to that 75 80%, I think, that, that, that you want out of players to become a successful side. And that successful side means defensively you're not letting in goals you're creating chances. You know, the uh, Froome Town, Taunton Town, uh, Yeovil Town, I think we probably let in tw 20, 30 goals. I know uh, at Froome Town, I know it's a different level, but we only let in 18 goals the whole season. Taunton Town, I think we're about 22. You've got to shut up shop and then have the players to be able to create chances and then <clears> ruthless <throat> us up front. It's in the both boxes, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. Well, if you sign National League South players, you'll end up in the National League South. Yeah, yeah. You've got to sign higher. Wrexham are top of the National League now. You know, I know it's just recent. They've got Ben Foster in goal. They've got Ben Tozer. They paid £400,000 from Mullin. They signed Elliot Lee from Luton Town. They've got four players who are leagues above where Wrexham are at yeah. this moment. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you go around and recruit from the... You know, you're going to have to go to Taunton and try and get Taunton Town's best player from Taunton Town. But he's not good enough to win Taunton the league, so why is he going to be good enough to win the Oval the league? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll need to keep the nucleus of players if they can. Yeah. Um, I agree with Rick. I, you know, I can't see Josh Dorton, Grant Smith staying to play in the National League South. Both of them are too good for that. But if they're on contract, which I think they both are for next season, they and obviously are, yeah. if they want to move on, that may generate some revenues for Yeovil. And if it's Mark Cooper who's manager next year, I don't know the situation with the management. Uh, it may at least free up some funds for him to invest. And as we said last week, if Yeovil are top or in the top six in the National League South, their gates will be better than they are at the moment when they're bottom of the National League. So revenue streams yeah. shouldn't be massively affected. I don't know what the sponsorship is from the league, whether there's a big drop from National League to National League South or you know those sorts of revenue streams. But it won't. I don't think it will affect Yeovil's income streams at all if they go down the league and they may be in a better financial position to compete. And as I say, if they can get themselves a squad of 10, 12 good National League players, supplement it with a few picks from the best clubs in the South West. Um, you know, you pick a good player from Plymouth Parkway or, or Tiverton or somewhere, um, then they'll, they'll be up there competing. Then I don't think they'll suffer financially at all. The trouble with it is, though, this question of recruitment, if you if you go back a couple of three or four years, Yeovil have never really had very many players that you could call, you know, instant goal scorers, the Jimmy Greaves types that will create goals out of nothing. We did have two. Paddy Madden was one. For whatever reason, Paddy Madden fell out. I don't know whether they weren't paying him enough or he demanded too much money or whatever, but he left. And then last year, we had, uh, or the year before last, we had Reese Murphy, who came back to haunt us. Now, he was he was a, a good goal scorer. Yet, again, for whatever reason, was it money? I don't know. But he's gone. We don't seem to, when we do have a decent player, we don't seem to have the ability to hang on to him. Well, we had a few. We had Guy Whittingham weren't too bad. Yeah, yeah. say but John McGinley, Scottish international. Carl Alford's you know, got a goal here and there. Yeah, I'm talking what, more about what, in, the, what, in the last what, sort of five, six years. Warren Patmore. Yeah, but yeah. Warren, Warren was... AD is right there in terms of the, the recent history, because when we did start to get players that got goals, i.e. Doofus, Quigley started to get into 12 to 15 goals. Yeah. They were then soon sold on very, very quickly. Like sort of Steve touches on, you, you get these players that come in, but unless you are find themselves in the top six next season, then those good players who have had a good start for Yeovil could then quite easily get picked off because the transfer windows work quite differently. And it feels like, as Steve touched on last week, it feels like the transfer windows open all year round at that level. So you might get a good start and then somebody could just come a, come along and pick your players. Yeah, but if, if your model's good, if your model's good and you've got sound basis, you're planning for that. You know what I mean? You lose one player, it doesn't derail the whole project. People, you know, people use the phrase, it's a project. You know, you, you said earlier, you know, sell them the Yeovil project. You lose one player, it doesn't derail you. You know, you, you can't be totally reliant on one person to score your goals. Yeah, they may be your main goal scorer, but you have to be able to contribute from a number of places and then you find time to replace them, you know, with somebody else of a similar sort of ilk. Yeovil will be a big, when they go down, Yeovil will be the biggest side in that league by an absolute country mile. Um, they'll have the biggest fan base, the biggest budget probably, or along with the biggest budgets, I would have thought, unless somebody's throwing money at a club that's unsustainable. Um, and they will be able to compete. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it does need a complete reset of the club. The ownership needs sorting out because it's an absolute shambles. They need to resolve the issue about who owns the ground, etc. And they need to put some sort of plan down that they stick to for the next five, six, seven years. Of course, it does bring into a question of Kevin Bond. 
Now, I've never met Kevin, so I don't know anything about him other than that his dad was a manager of Manchester City and, you know, he was around. He was a, a very wise football uh, person, from what I can remember of, of uh, John Bond. But um, does he know this league? You know, he's come in as director of football. Uh, OK. Adrian. Allegedly. I'd be amazed if you ever do meet him. Yeah, well, you, you could be right. You could be right, but the point is, if he doesn't know the league, he might be the best football, you know, director of football in the world. But, uh, you know, if if he knows all the Premiership and the Championship, and even the one and two, but is he going to know South in the National League? Fair question. Is, is mean, he? Is he definitely the? Well, I don't know. Director of football. Well, that's yeah, a good, that's, that's, that's a good also question. A great question. question. <laughs> the, 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 listen, the the ownership of the actual football club hasn't even bloody gone through yet. Exactly. Apparently, it's now going to be next Tuesday. The the, the, sh the club's in shambles. Until mm. that club is signed over to these new people, yeah. that, that you know, and, and they'll and these new people will get found out really quickly by the supporters. It's not all rosy out there at the moment, and if they if the new owners think it is rosy, I can guarantee you, I'll tell you now, it's not. It's not rosy at all. You know, there's things going on behind the scenes that I, I just think is shambolic. The club yeah. is in disarray. And, and if they think they're going to get out of this 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 lower level just just by being the biggest fan based club in you know in, in the southwest, then they're really in cloud. That's what I think is a concern as well. Like I know like Steve did make a very good point. The last ten years of Yeovil has very much been the anomaly in the grand scheme of, of time that Yeovil yeah. Town have been have, have well, been that, a football club. That, but like you say, mismanagement and other various things, particularly off the field, have also contributed to kind of. Listen, and that's just because blown away all the last ten years yeah. and all the good work that's been put in that, by that's, good individuals. That's because that's because Steve's a very grounded, intelligent fella, you know, and he doesn't he, he thinks about his answers before he actually answers. get Steve back, Steve you know back what? in, get yeah. that trending. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't get Steve back. <laughs> yeah, Is yeah. That that get your CV in. Do you know? And that, and that, and it, it, that's what that's the type of person you need at that football club. A grounded well-educated people that are not flustered by what's happening above them, you know, and, and needs to have a plan of action that will get this football club back to the levels that it needs to be. Oh, so the levels that we need to be, you know, it needs a, a plan of action and um, that plan of action needs to be grounded and, and, and set up over the next few years because, you know, getting out of this level of football is is not going to be, you know, even Conference South is not easy. It took us three seasons, and it took quite a bit of juggling around of players as well. And I was lucky enough still to be there because I certainly want the best around, and uh, and and I was grateful for every moment I I, I played for you. Um, but um, you know, the, the the players and the recruitment that uh, Brian Hall brought in was, was uh, sufficient enough for us to do it in the third season. But it's not. Easy gelling it together, and the teams are out there like, like um, the people have said that they put a target on you because you're Yeovil Town, and they play above and beyond themselves at Yeovil Town. You know, so that's um, that's why it's going to be very, very difficult. And uh, the structure of the club, so that means right from the top, right through. You know, I call it like a spoke of a wheel. You know, if you if you're, everything's working really well, your wheel's lovely and fine. All your spokes are in there working well. You know, everything's great. But if a spoke comes, starts coming out, your wheel starts being a bit dodgery. You know, and that's like a football club. If you're all together as one, you're working really, really well. But as soon as something goes wrong, 
you know, it starts finding its way through to the team and this stops going, that's not quite right. Or there's a, and then you start getting all the, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong. And then, then the discontent starts happening. And um, it, there, it's a tricky place, the football club, and um, it needs to have sort of found footing and, and a, a really positive vibe around the club to get, um, to get us back to where we need to be. Just sticking with um, National League a moment, before we go on to the, the Premier League events of the second half um, of the pod, I just want to touch on, um, you boys did reference it, um, in the first half, Wrexham 3, Notts County 2. It was dubbed as the biggest National League game <laughs> ever for the money that's gone in, particularly um, with Wrexham. Um, Rick, I'll come to you first, particularly because everyone knows about you know the ownership that they've got and the players that they've brought in. But when they decided to bring Ben Foster out of retirement, it was seen as a bit of a... <sighs> A bit of a um, a gimmicky kind of transfer, really, uh, because he's got his successful podcast. He does his GoPro stuff on YouTube, and it was seen as sort of a PR stunt for both parties, really. But it could be also a masterstroke now, as uh, Wrexham won the big game 3-2, and he saved a penalty in the 96th minute. I've not seen it. I don't know if it's a great save good or save. a routine it was one. A good save. Yeah, but good save. Um, that's the difference, isn't it? That is a complete yeah. difference. But you say a gimmick, it's only a gimmick in so much as there's no other club in the National League that Ben Foster would have come out of retirement to play for. The fact is, he's still a high... He's or, even, even, or even but, League Two or League One, potentially. Exactly. Pro, uh, yeah, at that sort of level. He's an England international. He's retired prematurely because the um, his media career has taken off. I was at a League Cup final with Mr Hopper, where Ben Foster basically won United a League Cup final in a penalty shootout against Spurs. He's that good a goalkeeper. So it's very astute and very clever. This is this is what you mean. You can have as much money as you want in the world, but somebody at Wrexham has got their head screwed on and saw that as an opportunity to get a player of that ability into, the, into their played, club. Played for them previously, of course, which probably helped yeah. the narrative. Somebody, somebody has played a really, really smart move there. And to say it's gimmicky, it is in so much as the same as the other players you mentioned that played for Exxon shouldn't be playing for Exxon because they shouldn't be playing in the National League because they're too good. That's the only way it's a gimmick. If you're in um, their situation and you've got the opportunity to get those sorts of players, you're going to do it. You're a fool not to. Steve, can I ask you a question a minute before we depart from this scheme? You've been yeah. around a long time. You've played for Yeovil. You've, you've managed <laughs> hey. for Yeovil. Steady on, steady on. You're old time, are you? Shut up, you've You've played for Yeovil, right? You've managed Yeovil. You, yeah. You've worked for the uh, Football Association. Um, yeah. You've got a huge amount of skill, um, a huge amount of knowledge on the game. If Yeovil came to you and said, will you be our manager, would you do it? No. no. I don't want to be a manager. Right. He's not a manager. I've done it twice. I was useless at it both times in terms of managing no, myself. No, no. Results-wise, it, it outwardly <laughs> it looked great, but it destroyed me as a individually. I can't deal with the pressure. I think you need to be a real unique personality if you're going to be an effective manager. Um, I'm much better as a number two or an advisor, like a technical director sort of role now. Yeah. Um, but no, I wouldn't do it. I think it is a. To be honest, I think it's, it could be if they get their organisation right and they give somebody time like anywhere it can be a great job it can be a great job 
but people have to accept that along with the good times, you have bad times as well. You know, you've looked at the Premier League, some managers are getting sacked because they lose a few games. It's an awful business now, being a manager. So I wouldn't want to do it, but I think for somebody, it would, it could be a really, really good job. Um, mm. Because of where it is, you're a little bit, you know, you're not in a big city, it's a one-town club. Um, you have got a chance to be successful with Yeovil. Um but behind the scenes needs to be stable, whatever club you're at. You've only got to look at Chelsea. You can spend as much money as you like, but if away from the football it's unstable, then it just proliferates every area of the club, like Paul was saying. Um, and Yeovil at the moment, for the last few years, that's been the problem. It's so unstable off the field that any manager in there, just he doesn't know what he's doing from day to day, I wouldn't think. doesn't know who he's so there you go then. Yeah. There you go then. You've heard it here first on Three Valleys Radio that if you are looking at sticking a tenor on Steve Ratter to be the next year of town mm-hmm. manager, um, save your tenor. Um, we will now go into the Premier League because lots did happen um, this weekend. Obviously start with the, the Super Sunday game, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2. Um, for the neutral, um, yes, brilliant, brilliant game. Absolutely. Let's start with on the pitch, first of all, because if ever there was a game that epitomised Liverpool season, it was that one. Absolutely terrible for 40 minutes. And then the last 35 minutes, absolutely brilliant, I mm. thought. Um, interesting, the, the perspective from from Arsenal's point of view about how you see it as two points dropped or, or one gained. It was very much one of those where it was kind of a little bit of both. I think it's probably... Fair to say, AD. I'll start with you. Did you did you watch this match? I didn't see it all, but I saw bits of it, and uh, you know, it certainly seemed quite uh, uh, incident packed, shall we say? Um, uh, you know, the first two goals were. were I mean, where was the defence? Have you got one? Um, well, quite. You know, I mean, it, I just couldn't believe the. I mean, that Martinelli one. He even just strolled through, didn't he? You know, it was just. I could have scored that. I reckon. Must say something before you say anything, Mr. Hyatt. Um, <laughs> go back to sleep. Um, okay. as, as for the rest of the game, uh, is it two points lost or two points? To, I think from um, Arsenal's point of view, I think they've dropped two valuable points. And when you look at the games that they've got coming up, I think this could be the week where they've, they've thrown it away. I've always said I thought... Uh, well, I always thought United would win it, but since they're not going to, then, then mm-hmm. um, to me, City were the, you know, City are just a different class. I'm afraid I, I feel, and uh, so I, th- I think they've dropped two points and not at a bad time as well because they've still got to go to the Etihad. Um, they've still got to play Chelsea, I think, haven't they? I'm not that Chelsea are any great shakes, but in theory they're a good side, and therefore one would expect them to put up a bit more of a fight. So uh, yeah, I think they've 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 drop themselves in it a little bit, I'm afraid. Rick, do you agree? Yes, points dropped, isn't it? Any game that you're 2-0 up at half-time and you don't see it through is has got to be seen. But it was uh, more than just dropped. that, though, wasn't it? I mean, I get what you're saying, that they were 2-0 up, but then you could look at it and be like, well, they very nearly left with absolutely nothing. So I can kind yeah. of see they both have left nothing, sides it to it. To finish. Mm. If, if your centre-half could volley... Instead of trying to bundle it in with his chest, then uh, it would have been a win, well, a win for Liverpool. It, yeah, they, but then again, everybody is assuming it's a concern from from the point of view of the way that Arsenal, as soon as a quality team came at them, they crumbled. That this is exactly what they're going to be facing against Manchester City. But City had to win that game. If 
Arsenal go in and get a draw out of that game, everyone's assuming that Manchester City are going to steamroll them. If, if Arsenal go in with the right mindset and don't lose at Man City, they're still very much in the, in the driving seat for it. Stunned. Does that mean I'm, but does the silence mean that I'm making sense after all these weeks? Oh, well, what? yes. I mean, you know, I'm sure the listeners think that every single week. It's not for me to say what they think of your glowing opinions, um, <laughs> Mr. Hyatt. Um, but I'm sure we've got some other interesting opinions coming up very shortly um, from the game. So we're going to have to obviously reference what appeared to happen at half time, which was extremely <laughs> strange, where. Um, the assistant, I'm not sure what his first name, his surname, Constantine. Pat Sadakis, is it? Yeah, yeah. he's my new hero. I love um, that man. Beautiful British appear, Appeared to, should we say, elbow um, Andy Robertson at halftime. Um, Who had wanted to do that? Like you referenced in our multiple messages over to each other this weekend. Yeah. What amazes me is that because it was Andy Robertson that was shouting at the official... Nobody seems to care that the uh, official actually <laughs> hit the player with an elbow because everyone seems to think it's par for the course because it's Andy Robertson and it's absolutely fine. Because, of course, no one else seems to shout at assistants or or referees. It doesn't happen um, to anyone else. But, Steve, I wanted to come to you first. What did you make of it, first of all? Because it was very difficult to kind of get a very shoot angle of what actually happened because it was only on the far camera that you could actually see what happened is it was it exactly what it looked like which was an elbow or was it actually a lot less than that but it's just sort of been highlighted to look worse than what it was what did you make of the whole thing well i mean like you i mean i only had the camera angles that everybody else had and i think when you look at some of the still photographs and the, and the his arm is raised quite clearly that you know, doesn't often tell you the context to what's happening. So it's it's really hard to, to judge. Um, he has been suspended, hasn't he? By he's not going to pending inquiry. Any, yeah, he's been withdrawn pending the inquiry. Um, Robertson got booked for dissent, apparently. But I don't know if that was for his original approach to the linesman or what he subsequently did when he approached the referee about the alleged elbow from the linesman. Uh, but it was a very it was a very strange event, and he did seem very animated by it. Um, and so, so did some of the other Liverpool players, to be fair. But I say, unless you get better footage of it or better coverage of it, it's really hard for us. We're just like armchair spectators, aren't we? Um, it, it didn't appear to me, though, to be... I think the intent was there, but it was almost as though he sort of went to get in with his elbow and he kind of almost missed... And it sort of just sort of virtually just... Yeah, just, to, it, to it wasn't me, a, a full-on bang, have some of that. You know, no. To me, not, it felt like it felt like he he went to go for it and then thought, oh no, I better not do that because no. I'm an official. <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you've got somebody who's run twenty yards yelling abuse at you, like Robertson clearly was, also he put his hands on the official first. All the all I think it looked like he was doing was just you know go away. It's not like he lined him up with an elbow and gave him a WWE no. power driver. He just went to flick him away. Yeah. It's like, go away, you annoying mm. Scottish man. Yeah. Good way of describing it, Rick. Yeah. That's the problem when they take a still photograph, when his yeah. arm is raised at that point. He may just yeah. be brushing him away, but they freeze it at that moment, and suddenly it looks yeah. like he's hit him with the point of his elbow. 
Well, that's yeah. what makes this so interesting, and how they're actually going to determine how they how they go about this. Because, like you like you say, Rick, you know, it quite easily might have just been a look. Come on, get go away, shrug, yeah. shrug it yeah. off. But then I guess that's kind of what happens with players to officials sometimes, and then maybe, but maybe, obviously maybe it's different should... from that point of view because you cannot touch a you know an official in any capacity. So I don't know how they're going to work this out. Well, maybe they should just send it to VAR and let them decide. <laughs> Well, Casemiro would... will get a four-match ban if you did that, because that's going to be Yeah. Thorpe, what did you make of the whole thing? I, I don't quite understand right. how they're going to be able to work this out. So, so if you, to me, um, I saw it that, that the um, the player touched the linesman, and the linesman basically went, "Get off me!" You know, you know. So, I, I actually think that. He's first and foremost in the wrong for touching the linesman, right? So it actually says the laws of the football, right? Professional footballers will now get booked or sent off for touching or confronting. It says referee, but it's the officials, isn't it? Footballers will now get booked or sent if they touch a referee on the shoulder or abuse them verbally after a new set of rules were brought in to protect officials, right? So but when that, you doesn't, actually that look, doesn't happen, no, though, no, Rick, no, does it? Hey, it doesn't happen. No, if you look at it, he touches the, the linesman on the arm. And the, the linesman's gone, get off me. How far has he run in order to do that as well? And, and, he's, verbally, and, he, and he's verbally abusing him. For me, for me, listen, I was probably, Stephen Taylor, probably the worst at flipping, you know, <laughs> having a go at referees and linesmen. <laughs> I was terrible, terrible. And it got me in all sorts of problems, right? But... You cannot now, in the day's game, with all the cameras around, go around and, and do what he's done. And he's a Liverpool player. And I, I, quite frankly, I thought he was in the wrong. And, he sh- and I think that he's the one that really should uh, be booked himself. Now, the media have got a story now. So they're going to blow up to all proportions they can. That means all the camera angles will be showing him touching his chin. Because that's the way it's going to be, and because of yeah. that, the 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 actual like uh, referee and linesman have, have actually suspended him. What I'd like to see in this this situation, for the good of football, right? And I say I was the worst it, for the good of football. I don't know whether Steve agrees with me or anybody else for that matter, right? Is that get him back, linesman, because he's obviously very very good at his job. He's decided to say I'm not having none of that. Look, get off me! You're not allowed to touch me. And I actually think that, that Robertson should get a ban because he's verbally abusing the linesman and he's touched him as well, which is now on the new rules of the game, it's not allowed. Quite just think, I just think, Torpy, if the referee's assistant didn't retaliate, we're not having this conversation and you're not sat here on this podcast saying he should get banned because it's not That's, picked up. He's... The, the player's not allowed to touch the linesman's. Simple Isn't as that. Isn't it about time somebody did that? Sorry? Isn't it about time... I'm agreeing with you, Thorpe. Isn't it about time somebody did have that sort of... Just on a human level, if that happened anywhere else... It's the point I was trying to make to you earlier, mate. If, if any other walk of life, if somebody mm, yeah. comes charging at you from that far away, shouting yourself at you, and then puts their hand on you, how are you supposed to react? <laughs> Just because it's... Like that. Exactly the same as that linesman's... Exactly the same as always. Listen, it says there, professional footballers are now be booked or sent off for touching or confronting a referee. It's not just the referees, it's the officials. 
Footballers are now get booked and sent off if they touch the referee on the shoulder or abuse them verbally after a set of new rules have been brought in to protect officials. Yeah, but this is my point, Thorpey. Why didn't the referee's assistant just say to the ref, well, he's manhandled me. It should be a red card. Maybe that's his fault. Maybe That's that, my that point. That, that, that oh, she can't speak English. English. If, that's, if that's all it was, why has he not communicated that? Because quite clearly it's you know in the rules, if you've just yeah. stated. So the whole thing at, just seems it, it, it odd. Happened. That's the point I'm making. Hilda, Hilda look at the thing is happening. Did he have time to actually consciously... If somebody's coming at you like that and they do put their hand on you, are you going to think to yourself, I know what I must do. I must now go and report this to somebody what's happened. You're not. You're just going to go yeah. get off it. I'm not, I'm not sure that the referee thought he was about to get attacked and mugged. The line no. Was, no, 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 no. no somebody somebody shouting abuse at him, you'd think if he'd have shouting it that loud at him, he'd have turned around and looked at him so he knew he was coming anyway. So it wouldn't have been a surprise when he touched him. He probably was, like Paul said, just saying, look, just go away, don't be silly. And then, it, you know, it's, as a, whatever happened, he's either caught him or he hasn't caught him, but he's making a meal out of it because suddenly Robertson's probably realised he's in trouble now because he's put his hands on the official. So maybe he's just using it as a way to, to deflect it. We came and off that, holding his jaw. And they're, talking about, yeah. they're talking about banning him. They're saying if Mitrovic got banned for eight games, then the linesman should suffer a similar <laughs> punishment. Oh, no, um, no, 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 no. We've is, got... A, he gives a decision. If you go and argue about the decision, they penalise you. You know, you yeah. get a ten-yard penalty, don't they? Remember they tried it in football yeah. last day, didn't they? Yeah. But just yeah. send somebody off sin bin them for ten minutes or something. Yeah. If they want respect for the officials, then actually, well, they've got to do a few things, haven't they? A, they've got to get the officials better qualified and more effective because at the moment that's spineless, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. yeah. Constantly going to VAR to make decisions that they should have made themselves. Yeah, the VAR's got to be better, but then they've got to protect the referees and the officials and say no, this is the rule. If you you know transgress, like you say, that's the law, then send them off. Yeah, and then manage oh, and control their players. So Unless... I was worried this was going to happen. That so much has happened in the Premier League this weekend, and on football bloody hell, we've got through three topics. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Rob, Robert, listen, Robertson can be a bit theatrical, and I and I don't really like that side of his game, you know. And uh, the sooner he gets away from that, the better, and concentrate on his bloody football, as far as I'm concerned. Roy Keane was right; he's a baby. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have happened in our day. We'd have flipping well got on with it and probably smashed a few more. And and you know, <laughs> and, and, and 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 but 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 that would have given lots of people lots of things to talk talk about in the pubs. That that was that was kind of my point. That Rick is absolutely right. If someone's in your face like that, you're going to react. Of course you are. But we're in yeah. 2023, and this is the first time that we've all seen it. So everybody else obviously seems to have some level of control. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. There's a one-off thing now that's been highlighted now. To finish anyway, football, bloody, listen, to finish football hell, let's give you a classic. Cheltenham away, Yeovil. It's, it's all kicked off on, 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 the, on the pitch between a certain person, Mr. Stephen Lewis Rutter, right, <laughs> and a certain centre-forward. Right, we're walking back in there, get a little shout, protect me. Get in between the referee and linesman, eat there about like 10 back, and all of a, all of a sudden, all of a sudden... This certain player happens to be on the deck. I know I never saw nothing. Steve never saw nothing. But it was dealt with. What a coincidence. Uh, mm. Now, no, and, 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 and Steve was nowhere near the, the, the poor fella. And the referee and Lysman didn't know what to do. I so think it's probably best thing. that we, we, we <laughs> talk up there um, this evening. Um, 
Thorpey, thank you very much, as always. My pleasure. Sorry, uh, Stephen Lewis Russell. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, of the good things about, one of the good things about getting older is I can genuinely claim amnesia. I can't remember any of these things <laughs> you're talking about. Absolutely. And I'm not sure what I was saying anyway. I'm Steve, Steve thank, you, thank you very much um, Pleasure, for joining us tonight. Pleasure. Ricky, um, AD, same to you. I'll have to sign us off tonight because we're getting to the end now. But you've been listening to Football. Bloody hell. Oh.